I'm Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. This is part two of our conversation with Canadian-American bobsledder Kaylee Humphreys, the winningest female athlete in the history of the sport. She's a five-time world champion and has won four Olympic medals, three of them gold. In February in Beijing, she won the inaugural women's monobob event in which one female athlete both pushes and drives her 365-pound sled down the icy track. At 5'7 and around 160 pounds, Humphreys is built for power. She trains like a sprinter, both on the track and in the gym, focusing on movements like running, jumping, and bounding, and on Olympic lifts that work on both strength and speed. At age 36, she pays more attention than ever to proper movement patterns and recovery. And though she's committed to a high protein diet that includes lots of veggies, good carbohydrates, and little sugar, she admits she has a sweet tooth and loves to bake. Her specialties, cinnamon buns and the Canadian vanilla custard treat, flapper pie. So you're 36 now. How, not that that's old, how has your workout routine evolved over the years? Um, I find that I get into shape a lot faster, but I also lose it a lot quicker. Um, it doesn't maintain as much, but it doesn't take as much to get there. My body recognizes things really quick and goes, Oh, this is what we know. Like six, seven weeks, like boom, done. You got it. But then it takes like five days of not going to the gym and I just lose it all. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, energy levels, not quite the same. I've had to understand that I have a window. Usually it's in the morning where I have a lot of energy. And if I go and do it in the morning, great. But if I wait till the afternoon where I used to be able to, my motivation drops hard, hard. And then I'm like, okay, I don't know if we're going to get this done today. Um, and therapy has become a very big part. The older that I get, I'm recognizing not just for maintenance, but also to make sure the right recruitment patterns are occurring, that everything is functioning the way that it's supposed to. Um, the older that I get, if I'm not adjusted correctly, if things aren't lined up, my body will compensate very easily because it can, mm. having done the sport, but then I'm not going to get the result that I need out of it. Um, so I need to make sure that I'm getting good therapy and consistent therapy in order to avoid getting injured because it's going to be or it is very easy to get injured and pull myself out of alignment so i have to monitor energy levels so some days and it is working a lot more with my coach on how do you feel today um and is what's scheduled does that coincide with how i feel am i exhausted am i not and real life comes into it and i think that's when i was younger i'm not married um, you know, you live at home. I, I'm not accountable to real life things, paying bills, having a husband, having a dog, things to take care of. There, there are real life things that come into this that take up some, some time wanting to build in a brand and an image off of being an athlete. And it's not just show up, work out, go home, eat, sleep, train. Um, and so because of those things, it definitely changes how I approach sport, it makes me more whole and more complete, which is it provides a very different, unique ability. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more confident in who I am as a female going into certain situations in gyms or um, the way I approach sport. I am a lot more empowered and confident as a female athlete in who I am and being able to 
um, yeah, look at hopes and goals and dreams and believe in things. But at the same point, it requires a very different system to do it. So I'm still learning that one. I think that's good for people to hear though, because so many of us think, okay, this is our plan for the week. On Tuesday, I'm doing this. On Wednesday, I'm doing this. On Thursday, I'm doing this. And because it's written down on the paper, I have to do this. But if you wake up and you're not 100% on, just because it's on the paper doesn't mean it can't change. And I think people get so beholden to it and they make themselves so crazy and so stressed out when it's not really necessary. <laughs> yep. And don't get me wrong. I have those days too where I'm like, that's yeah. it said I need to do. And like, yes, I've had to learn and it's still very hard for me to do. My coach is very good at this though. If you miss a day because something in real life came up, you had a doctor's appointment, something happened. Don't go back and try and make up for that day. You just move on. You just missed it. So the next day is the next day for a reason. And if you miss one, you miss one. I have a bad habit of trying to do extra the next day to get in both workouts into one day because I missed one. And that's, I used to be able to do more of that when I was younger, but then I overdo the next day and then I'm exhausted for the next three days because I overdid it. So it's very much understanding and being very realistic with my energy, kind of like a cell phone. You only have so much battery life and for that week, depending on what's happening depends on how much I deplete it. So I need to look at things a bit more big picture and trust the program and then trust my body that I can get it there by doing different stuff than I used to be able to do when I was a kid. The exercises are the same, but it just is looking at it a slightly different way. You mentioned that you have to have these um, sessions with the physical therapist to make sure your movement patterns are, are solid. Are there anything any other um, things that you do for recovery that just keep your body feeling good? Anything you can't live without now? Hot, cold, um, cold baths. I hate them, but they work miracles on my body just with inflammation. And I think with as much training that I do slash the older that I get, um, I find I can get inflamed very quickly. And so I used to be able just to sit in the cold for like 10 minutes. <laughs> The older I get, the more I don't have patience for that. <laughs> but <laughs> rotating between a hot cup, a hot tub and a cold tub um, helps a lot. So if I can get that in two or three, three times a week, it does make a big difference in muscle recovery. And then also in nervous system, just being able to reset, turn my system off, especially after big hard lifting days. It does a really good job of working through the lactic acid that I built flushing things out, decreasing inflammation, but then also resetting my nervous system. So um, that one is a very important one that I don't always have access to, but my body really likes. Do you, do you have this at your house or is it something you have to do at a training facility somewhere? Something I do at a training facility, but I have also learned that you can do it anywhere. So if at, when we're on the road, as long as we have a bath, and sometimes even if you just have two showers, so me and my teammates will just rotate and you just go from one room to the other room. <laughs> yours is, we're going to feel super hot and yours is cold and we're just going to switch on and off. Um, sometimes if you've got showers, just again, sitting in a shower and as much as it sucks. And it's not quite the same when it's not a tub environment, but it will do it to some degree, just utilizing a shower, getting it nice and hot, feeling warm for two minutes. And then for one minute, just blasting it freezing cold and trying to, it'll take your breath away a bit, but trying to just 
let whatever is super sore, whether it be upper body, lower body, whole body, just have that cold water kind of shock your system and shrink everything down. And then obviously everything expands with the hot and shrinks with the cold and just creating that flushing action. Yeah. It's a huge kick to the lymphatic system, like moving everything around. It's crazy. Um, so I want to switch a little bit to the nutrition side of things. What does a day of eating look like for you nowadays? Uh, right now, I probably need to be eating less because I'm not working out as much being this is my kind of five, six weeks of not being an athlete. Um, I also have a bad habit of not doing that. So generally, though, on average, I eat about 23 to 2500 calories a day. Um, It's not huge, but it's not nothing. Uh, Very high protein based diet, a lot of meat, a lot of veg. Um, but we do have a weight that we are trying to maintain. So I do eat carbs, try and avoid sugars as a whole, but definitely get my carbs in and then meat and veg predominantly high protein base. Um, yeah. Do you, um, when you work out in the morning, do you eat before you work out? I have done both. I find the older that I get, the more important it is to make sure I get something in in the morning. I find that helps with energy as well. Um, There was a period of time when I would do kind of some intermittent fasting and work out having not eaten or just having a coffee with some cream and then eat afterwards. That usually and can last, especially right after I've taken five, six weeks off. It can last a couple months, but then I start to hit a wall. And then I noticed that even my morning workouts, I have a really hard time getting through. So the older I get, I'm now realizing it's more important and I get more out of the workout having eaten something, even if it's something small, a couple pieces of toast or a protein shake or like cereal and milk, just something to be able to eat. And then I can focus on getting the rest of the nutrition in after in kind of three or four meals. So I don't eat. I've I've tried the whole like super tiny meals, like six or seven times a day. And I don't like that. Uh Uh, My body doesn't like that. So I usually eat three good meals and make them decent size to get everything in with a protein shake in between. And then usually in my protein shake, I have fruit um, fruit in that as well, just for the extra carbs. I, I was going to ask what you eat as your like pre-game, pre-race, pre-workout uh, meal, but you just mentioned like the toast or a shake. Is it more important for you um, before you're going to expend a lot of effort to have the protein or the carbohydrate? More protein because on race day for us, they're long days. So I need something that is going to sustain me long-term and carbs burn off pretty quickly. So on race days themselves, make sure I get the protein in. So I've got something to be able to utilize longer periods of time. Um, Race days, a lot of it's just eating what I get nervous. So it's hard to eat. So making sure I get something in and then having access So I'll bring little apple sauces or access to snacks. So if and when I do get hungry or if I feel like I'm starting to hit a wall or I know 
between runs. I need something, but I can't eat a huge giant meal and just feel slow and lethargic. Then the little applesauce packets or little like fruit snack leather things are really good just to eat something that I can fill my system with, give it something to get through until I can eat a huge meal again. Um, I love it. I love asking people what they have in those duffel bags, like for the, the time when they just can't handle it anymore and they need something. The applesauce one is a good idea. I like the peanut yeah, butter packets too. Great. Yeah. <laughs> peanut butter packets are great, but then you're usually like trying to and they find the quick sugar of the applesauce is nice. Um, yeah. I like the peanut butter and honey ones. So yeah, those, those are, are also good. And for travel days too, when you know you're going to be out and about and you don't know when you're going to be able to eat or you're stuck on a plane and you're like, ah, I need something. Like uh, my body's freaking out right now. So those are good, but. Are there any um, particular supplements that you take that really work for you? Um, yes, I do take supplements. So multivitamins, make sure, especially vitamin D, a multivitamin, um, calcium, magnesium, fish oils, and then protein, amino acids, and then I have this stuff called Neuron and Neuroff by Optimum EFX that I use on race day. So something that I can literally take a scoop of to turn my nervous system on and it works great. doesn't provide jitters or get me all jittery. And then when it comes time to turn it off or if I'm having trouble sleeping even in the summer or if I find that I'm getting really stressed out, then I can use the off because you can use it whenever and it just helps turn my system off. And my nervous system is sometimes really hard to control. So neuron and neuroff is kind of my secret weapon. It's like a focus thing then just makes you really able to look at the task at hand. hundred percent. That's really like zones in. Um, it's great on race days, but anytime I really need to, um, they make it so that it one comes with like a bit of a stimulant, which gives you the jitters and has maximum caffeine. And then another one that doesn't but still has and still provides the same focus and ability. So I take that one because I don't like feeling really jittery and jacked, but does it, yeah. does it last the whole day? Like if you have a race day, a long day that has multiple runs, if you take it before or in the morning or wherever, does it last the whole day? Not the whole day. It will last a couple hours. So I'll take it about 45 minutes before I go and race. And then depending on the race or how I'm feeling, it will last three, four hours. And then sometimes I'll take another like little half scoop after about two hours, just to make sure I'm really on before the next run. If we have a long break between run one to run two, um, but for lifting and stuff on days when I'm exhausted and I know, okay, today's a really heavy day and motivation's low. I'll take a scoop, um, like a pre-workout basically. And then it also, it'll last my whole session. So, and then right as soon as we're done, then I take the off to try and turn it off and make sure that nervous system is off so that it starts recovering before I need to really tax it again. That's cool. If you have a cheat day, what does that look like? <sighs> More sugar and sweets and treats. I like baked goods. So pies, pancakes, French toast, um, I'm not a big chocolate person, but I love chips, salty things, and then baked goods. 
So a cheat day is pancakes or French toast in the morning, afternoons, oh, anything, really, <laughs> fried chicken, <laughs> um, tons of sushi, which, again, my cheat days are more built around the desserts. The meals themselves, especially with bobsled, I don't have to be the most careful. It's mostly moderation. So I can eat a lot of what I want. It's just in what amounts and what quantities in the meals. And then I just, I can't drink the pops. I can't have the desserts or the sweets um, as much. So my cheat days are more built around, oh, I get dessert today, which is then usually me eating a whole pie. How or often does that happen? How often do you give yourself a cheat day? Yeah, usually like twice a week. There you go. Probably more right. than you're supposed to, but... <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's, I don't really have cheat days. I have a cheat meal. Okay. Um, usually that cheat meal does me good for the next couple of days where I'm like, Oh, okay. I need to like rein it in a bit. And then I'm good for like three, four or five days. And then I'll get like a really sweet tooth or craving where I'm like, I need like, like a strawberry rhubarb pie or I need Ooh. to have, yeah, like a dessert or a baked good. I love pies. Um, or, I don't get them as often. I literally will have them probably twice a year. And it's usually in this five weeks that I have off because then I just don't really care and just drop everything. But Slurpees from Seven. Oh my months. God, I forgot about Slurpees. <laughs> the best. It's frozen sugar water. Like not healthy for you at all. But man, are they so good. So again, I limit those in this in the winter or like once I start training, I don't get them at all because I those are there's zero nutritional value, but in this like five, six weeks, I'm like, that's so funny. I haven't thought about Slurpees in like 30 years, but when I was a kid, there was a seven 11 about a two mile bike ride from my house. And it was like a rite of passage for your parents to allow you as like a seven year old to ride your bike to the seven 11 to get a Slurpee. And in retrospect, at least I was riding my bike there. So, to yeah. get the, so but wow, I haven't thought about Slurpees in, in a million years. That's really funny. Just the plain Coke Slurpee. I don't like all the sweet flavors, just the Coca-Cola flavored Slurpee. Or the Dr. Pepper one. Those are my. Wow. Favorite. Do you, if you have such a sweet tooth, do you bake yourself? I do. I'm actually good at baking. The problem is, is then I eat it. <laughs> so I try not to. Um, but do you have I a specialty? Um, my mom taught me how to make, it's a family recipe. Um, it's called flapper pie. It's like this vanilla custard pie. So I'm very good at that or cinnamon buns. I'm also, I do them all by hand with the dough, make the dough. They usually take me like five, six hours to do, but those two are my, my go-tos. That sounds fantastic. Or um, banana bread. <laughs> healthy, very healthy bananas. <laughs> I usually try and cut down on the sugar. So it's not as much sugar in the banana bread. Try and make it a little, a little more healthy. I don't use all of, what's required because I don't think you need it. Especially if you no. freeze the bananas before it makes them sweeter. So then you don't need to as much, but. That is such a good trick. I do that for my smoothies too. I let the bananas get really ripe and then peel them and stick them in the freezer and it, they are so sweet. It's, it's amazing. I don't know why no one told me that ahead of time. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what are your bobsled goals for 2022? Um, 
for 2022, well, more I have a four, four year goals. Sure. So we okay. look at, yeah. yeah, everything is okay. It's gearing up for 2026. So what do I need to focus on? And then we kind of break it down. So in order to be the fastest, the strongest, the best in that 2025, 2026 season, working backwards, um, usually this first year of the four is just maintaining what I had from the last Olympic year. So not focusing too hard on speed or strength, just overall being more athletic. It doesn't make me the best bobsledder necessarily, but where am I at? Um, do this season, be able to see naturally where my body is strength-wise, what's kind of a, a baseline for speed and strength while still trying to be stronger and faster and training throughout the year. So I'm still going to lift heavier, but I know I'm not going to be lifting my max weights and I'm not trying to hit my max ultimate back squat weight in that year one. That's for a strength year and more of a season. So um, year one is more just kind of where are we at now, being strong, being fast, focusing on doing a bit of both and then just being an athlete. Year two, we usually focus more on strength for that year. So I'll do a lot more strength-based exercises, trying to get super, super strong in that year while still being explosive, still working on speed, but there's more of a strength component to the entire summer. Year three, there's a bit more of a speed component where I'm trying to maintain the strength that I've built, but then bring in the speed to it. So we do a lot more sprinting than lifting, but mm -hmm. maintaining the lifts that I've got. And then year four, obviously trying to have it all come together. And then year four, we focus a lot more on jumping, on bounding, on being explosive. So we've really built up strength and maintained it. We've now built up speed. We want that to maintain, but we want to make sure that it's done in an explosive manner in order for year four. So the focuses, like I said, are more um, more bounding medicine ball throws, more explosive mom moments as a whole. Um, but then within that, then you have your little tiny goals for the year and what we want to. So you're really looking at the four-year block of the Olympics as how you kind of plan out your training. What about things like world championships and world cup races? Are those, do you look at those more as training for the Olympic games then? Um, no, they're still very much, you try and maximize those events as they come up, the world cups, the world championships, but you do so understanding that where you want to be the best is in 2026. I want to win world championships. I have the ability to, I've done it. So I'm still training to be the best in that year, but understanding that there's a bigger goal. So if, and when I'm not, I'm not lifting the strongest I've ever lifted, or I'm not sprinting the fastest. I still go out and try 110% to be the best that I can be and, and win a world's, but I can't beat myself up over it if I'm not the fastest athlete or I'm not the strongest at that point. We try and bring it all together for that year because you still have to perform each and every year, but there is a bigger focus and we maintain focus on that. And when I was younger, I used to be able to focus more on the individual races in the world championships and then just see where we're at in the Olympics. But as I get older, again, we have to keep the focus on the things that really matter. And then 
get through, and again, that sounds bad, get through the world championships, like get through the things that um, get me to the Olympic games. So we utilize those, yes, as training and as racing, but not from, it's not like you use them to train. They're still yeah. a performance element and I still need to perform there, but I can't get caught up in just one aspect of that race. So if I'm not the strongest or the fastest, depending on the focus of that year, then I have to rely heavily on my driving skill or on the things we did focus on in that year in order to still win. And then we go into the next year. Okay, the focus is on speed or strength. Okay, really maximize this so that I can still win and then bring in the other elements as well. And then hopefully it all comes together, come to games and you're the best athlete that you can be. I want to ask you just specifically about training for Monobob where you were the, the, you had to push, you had to drive, you had to break all on your own. Was the approach that much different than going with a team? Did you like taking on all of those duties for yourself and having everything really be in your own hands? Or did you miss the team aspect? You do miss the team aspect. Monobob is still very much a team sport. And I think that's something most people don't quite understand is I can't do it alone. So although I have to physically push the sled, drive the sled, break the sled by myself, getting the sled to the start line, I can't do that on my own. The sled only weighs <laughs> 10 pounds less than a two men and it's the same size. So getting the sled off of the track at the bottom and onto a truck, I can't do that by myself. I, I need my teammates preparing the equipment for race day, polishing runners, all of the prep for it. It's too much for one person to do. So I do miss, and it is nice in two men to share those moments with somebody when you do cross the finish line. There is something very special about knowing that you were able to push, drive and break and that you were the best. But there is also something very special about doing it with another person and knowing that you're not the sole reason and that when you win, you win together or if you lose, you lose together and that there's, there is that like team camaraderie and commitment piece. Um, so they are very different and they do serve very different feelings. Will you do both going forward or, or will you focus on one over the other? No, I'll do both. I will do both. And then hopefully, and we'll see, I don't think it'll happen within this four years, but I'll continue to fight for it. Ideally, I would love to see men do mono and women get the opportunity to do four men, that the yeah, sport will really grow cool. and provide three opportunities for all genders. Um, that's what I would really like to see because the hard part about mono is the girls work very hard to help. And by adding the monobob event, it takes some of the two men training away. So as pilots, I'm doing just as much work, but for the brakemen themselves and two men, it provides less opportunity for them to train and compete. Um, or it's the same for competing, but less opportunity to train. And so with four men, it actually provides two more opportunities for girls mm -hmm. to train and to race, which increases our participation numbers huge. And so, I would still love to see women have the opportunity to do for men, but I think that's going to take some more, yeah. some more fighting. Yeah. You've now won so much in, in bobsled. I mean, I think more than any other woman, are your goals going forward just to continue to do that as long as you can. And then also how much of your goals surrounding bobsled are to do things like open up opportunities for more folks to compete. 
Um, it, it both, I think definitely being the best bobsledder motivates a little bit. Um, but I've, I've done that. I've been that I am that, um, being the most successful and right now and the only female in Olympic history to have won two gold medals for two different countries. Amazing. So I've had periods within my career where I have been the best. I am the best. And it does self-servingly, it does selfishly feel really nice. At the same point, there is still something missing and that I want to create a better spot and I have the opportunities and I recognize I'm here because of the women that came before me that fought so hard in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s to get bobsled into the Olympics. And I want future athletes to have greater opportunities because I fought for them to be able to do it, even if I can't be a part of it. And I think that's what makes the monobob event so special for me is for eight years, I fought for equal medal opportunity for women. And so to be able to then participate at a games and something I, I started, I began the emails with, Hey, this is unfair. How do we create more opportunity? Brought other girls in, Hey, let's show them. This is what we can do to then see the fruits of my labor. That was cool. Do I think that's going to continue? Probably not, but I will continue to fight and break down those barriers so that women long after I'm gone have greater opportunities and have, you know, the option. And even men in our sport have the option to, to race more and to do more events. So, um, some days it's motivating to try and be the best in the world, knowing it's, it's hard and I have stiff competition and other women are so badass in our sport, which is very cool to me that they're making it very difficult for me to be the very best. And then some days knowing I'm doing and standing up or challenging status quo for greater opportunity for others, that motivates me to stick around and to be the best because I know that I have a voice, I have a say, and because of what I've accomplished, um, I can create change. And because of some of the stuff I've gone through, I am a much stronger, more confident athlete, and it's going to take somebody of this stature and caliber to challenge the status quo. And I want to be able to do that, even if I don't get to see the benefits, just to know that I gave back. Because like I said, women before me gave a lot for me to be here. And I want other women to also have that opportunity and other athletes to also have that opportunity. And that's also something that was very important to me when I stood up to abuse and harassment and why I left mm -hmm. Team Canada yeah. was, um, it was important for me to put myself in a safe environment but it was also important for me to stand up to a bullying and abuse and harassment and, and create awareness so that other people don't 10, 20, 30 years down the line, find themselves going, I wish somebody said something or had I known this or other women aren't affected by it. Like I was because I saw how I got treated and the way other women got treated and nobody was saying anything. And it killed me inside to know a future young female might get treated this way or might not be believed or protected no matter how hard she screams and yells and that's not okay if i could have done something about that so i want to make sport a better place as a whole and i needed to be able to to stand up and say something well i hope that you are the next olympics you'll be what 39 or 40 and then the one after that maybe 43 or 44, I hope you're competing. The only way I'll go to the next one, if Salt Lake City gets 2030, I know they're planning on betting. If they get 2030, I might, uh, we'll see. We'll see how 2026 goes. I might be persuaded to stay around for that one. 
um, just because it would be a home Olympics, which would be super cool to be a part of for Team USA. But at the same point, um, I have goals within real life. My husband and I want to start a family and I don't have to choose, which is fantastic. I don't believe in having to choose, but I also don't know how I'm going to feel once we start a family and being home. And I don't know as I continue on with the sport, I know I'll go to 2026, but after 2026, am I going to want to continue even? Do I still, am I still having fun in the sport? Am I still competitive? So I'm very much leaving it open after 2026 right now. That'll probably be the end, um, but we'll see. Who knows? Well, I wish you the best of luck with all of it, and I thank you very much for coming and chatting with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Kaylee for joining us on Food of the Gods. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at, at Kaylee Humphreys and on Twitter at, at BobsledKaylee as she embarks on the long road of training for the 2026 Winter Olympics in Italy. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. Mm-hmm.